and everything you hear, especially about the scriptures. Amen. We are uh, living in the last times. I don't believe we're going to be living. I believe we're already in the latter times. I believe we're already at the the place where there's a falling away. I believe that there's a time when people have turned their back on God. They're looking in a different direction. And uh, even uh, Timothy, not Timothy, but Paul, said that there would be a time in Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 3, he said, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Not going to endure sound doctrine. And people at that place now, lay some people, and I thank God for the people that are listening to the sound doctrine, some people desire the sound doctrine of God, don't want nothing else. I'm one of those, and you are too. Or at least I trust that you are. But today, we've got people that will not endure it. They don't want to hear it, and they're certainly they're not going to put up with it. Uh, you, can, you can see that in the way it is across the country. We're going to see more and more of that uh, as the days go by. And uh, it's, it's those times that Paul said they would not endure Sound doctrine. And uh, they heaped themselves teachers having itching ears. They they want to hear something else. And what they'd rather have today is, said they will turn and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. They don't want to hear the truth. People don't want it to have the truth today. And shall be turned unto fables. Remember Timothy gives us quite a bit about uh, fables and so forth. He, in the first chapter of the book of first timothy he tells us a little bit about some of that and uh, talks about fables old wives fables and those sort of things and how that people want to hear things that they don't need to hear but they they hear a lot of it and they they just want to hear what they want to hear and nothing else so the bible said in first timothy chapter one he said from which some having swerved have turned aside unto vain jangling. That's empty talk. Nothing to it. Just just words. And uh, he says here, uh, and goes back, and we preached on that a little bit sometime back, and, and going back, go back to verse number 4 of chapter 1 of 1 Timothy. And it says, Neither give heed to fables, and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. And so he he talks about that, how these people do those things and and uh, uh, what's going on. And Paul trying to tell Timothy, you're going to see this in the church. And we're seeing it. I want us to go down just a little bit further. He said in, in uh, verse 7, of that first chapter, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. In other words, they don't know what they're talking about, but they want to be teachers of the law. Verse 8, but we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. Nothing wrong with the law if it's used right. It's the schoolmaster brings us to Christ. If we didn't have the law, we wouldn't know we'd do anything wrong. Amen. We can't keep the law, but we know today that the law can bring us to Christ. It's a schoolmaster. Verse 9, knowing this, that the law is not made for righteous man. If, you don't, if, you don't, if you're not a lawbreaker, it's not made for you. 
Amen. So we, but we're not all righteous. But he said, but for the lawless and disobedient. That's what the law was made for. For the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers. And he goes on with the other group and it said, for whoremongers, whoremongers, uh, for them that defile themselves with mankind. That's the homosexuals, uh, homosexuals, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. That men stealers in, in, incorporates a quite a bit of stuff. And you can get in how they've been kidnapped and so forth and, and, uh, this sex trafficking you see going around. Uh, brother, that's what he's talking about. And he said it's going to get to a time you need to see all that. And he's trying to head him off at the pass. Now let's go to second Peter, which I believe we're there. I believe we're at these places and it's getting worse. And somebody said, well, I, was it in Paul's day? Yes, it was. And it's worse today. And, uh, amen. We're in a living in the Laodicean church age where nothing's wrong. Everything seems to be right. There's no absolutes. Amen. Churches don't even have... Uh, and the, well, you said, well, if you get that, we split in hairs. These things we need to split hairs over. These things that are right, there's things that are wrong. It's not in between and in the middle. It's not a, it's either black or white, or it, there's no such thing as gray in the middle. We straddle the fence, we wobble on the axle, and brother, we need to make our voice count today and pick up the Word of God and take it. Now, the Bible said in 2 Peter chapter 2, and you could read that whole chapter, and we may go back and read some of it in just a little bit, but I want to start at verse 15. And he's talking about the false teachers and the false prophets and, and uh, so forth. And he said in verse 15, which have forsaken the right way. That's what they've done. They have forsaken the right way. We're watching that daily unfold before us. When I was 50 years ago, when I first started preaching, I said we're in the last days and we're in, uh, you know, the latter times and People don't want to hear the truth, and boy, I tell you what, I didn't know it was going to be as big a change down the road as it is now. And uh, everybody's got their own idea of what the Bible says. Everybody got their own idea of what the Bible teaches. He said, "Which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam the son of Bozor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness." Uh, when I read these things, I think about the preachers that are in the money business. And I'm not talking about, uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm not talking about the, well, well I, am, I guess I am too, about the people that are making so much, they're, they're in the ministry for the money. And the preachers are in the business of preaching for the money. And he said, which have forsaken the right way and are gone away following the way of Balaam. The son of Bozar who loved the wages of unright. He was, he was, uh, going out to curse the people of God. And, uh, Balak had, uh, paid him to do that when he went out. Every time he re- reached out to curse the people of God, instead he blessed them. Amen. That's because God wasn't in it. And, uh, he was doing it for, for hire. And all these preachers had Trying to do that for hire. Amen. I've never tried to preach for the word, preach the word of God for money. Amen. I never have. 
And uh, I've been a, a lot of other things you might lay on me, but not that one. And I want to tell you, I don't believe today that we are to be in the ministry. Some folks take the ministry in churches. And here's one of my little pet peeves. Here's one of the little things that bother me. Is people and preachers that are writing books and selling them. Uh, you may not agree with me on that. But people who need what they've got that they've dug out and good, they're not going to pay for that. Uh, people that really need it, it's not going to do it. It's going to be people that, you know, that are making merchandise off it. A lot of times people, I remember when there was a time I couldn't buy a book. I could not buy a book. I went to a revival meeting one night. And uh, this fellow had a list of books and laid them out on the back pew. I remember that in the church, and I don't like that either. And uh, I don't believe that's right. I believe that's making the house of God a house of merchandise. And uh, he had all his books laid out on the table, or on the, well, on the little table plus the back row. And I looked at them books, and I said, I'd like to have that one. I'd like to have that one. I'd like to have that one. I had about $20 that I could spend, and I was going to have to borrow it from Peter to pay Paul, but I was going to do that. You know how that is. I needed that. But I wanted to try to help myself spiritually to help somebody else. And when I, I'm tell you that I can tell you the church is at, and one here in the county. And uh, I picked out one book and two books, and then I put one of them back and got one and and I went to pay for it. When I did, uh, I give him that $20 bill. And he reached his billfold and got it in that billfold. I'm telling you what, I thought he was going to knock him down when he pulled it out of his pocket and it opened up. Had a stack of bills in it. I mean, if I'd been in business like that, I believe I'd have hid some of that before I come in. And he got that and gave me change. And I looked at it and I thought, boy, he got all that money for this. And I thought, you don't do it. I've gone to other meetings and they sell their CDs and their tapes and all that. And uh, they, and that's making merchandise out of the house of God. That's why we don't have, if we had preachers in here that had tapes and books and all that stuff, and they wanted to put it back, I wouldn't do it. They they do what they want to outside here, but I'm not going, not going to do here at the church. I'm not going to sell that stuff. And I remember a fellow over here in White County come over and he looked at all these little books we got, and he said, Boy, I'd like to put them on my website and uh, sell those things and give you a percentage of it. And I thought, no, you ain't going to do that. And I wouldn't let him do it. And uh, so, I mean, when you give that stuff away, what, what's the Word of God freely given? I believe we ought to give it free too. Lord, give it to us. And the people we can reach or people we need to reach, they need it. And they many times, if they had money, you take a lost man. A lost man is not going to spend money on the gospel. He's not even interested in the gospel. You're going to have to get it to him somehow. And uh, so that's what I say. But he said these folks here, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozar, who loved the wages of unrighteous. And that's what to do. Uh, one time fellas told me, said, uh, he is an, uh, his pastor got up and said, uh, all right now, I need a new washing machine. Parsonage over yonder, I'm leaving in, said the washing machine's bad. Go out and put one in. And I thought, I've never made no demands on the people of God like that. That's bad. Well, you expect, you know, I appreciate everything anybody's ever done for me.
But and uh, you know you can brag about it if you want to. We went one place and uh, we was presenting our work that we were doing as a missionary work and and uh, so they took an offering that night. The church did took an offering. And they gave that to us and said, this is for your ministry. And I said, I appreciate it. But there's one of the fellows in there. He said, after the service over, he said, I'm going to take you out to supper. And so he took us to Burger King, sat down there. And then before we got up and got out of there, he handed me a check. And he said, here, this is for the work. And got that. And, and it was wrote out to the ministry. And I looked at it as a $50 check. And I said, thank you, thank you. And you know why he done that, don't you? He could have given in church because he get the recognition. And we don't need to do that kind of thing. You ever give anything, the Lord knows he keeps the record of it. Amen. Amen. So anyhow, money is a little area that is shady to a lot of people and they don't pay much attention to it. But I want you to know it's important what we do. If we get money, we ought to spend it for what it's been used or supposed to be used for. Amen. Now the Bible said in verse 16, but was rebuked. God rebuked. Balaam, for his iniquity. It was a sin. We got to recognize that this stuff's sin. And uh, I could I just mention one thing. There's a lot of things about preachers that they do. Amen. Just because they're what they call a man of the cloth, don't give them no exempt. We have to live a clean, dedicated, consecrated life. And a, amen. And we miss the mark. We fail. We stumble. We falter. I do at least. I don't brag about it. But try to keep it under the blood. And I pray the Lord touch me. But was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. Now, we won't go into the story. We could turn and read it. But we'll find today that uh, that little donkey he's riding on showed him up against the wall finally. And, uh, he, and you know, he's, and uh, so anyhow, he spoke. And then verse 17, here God describes this crowd. He describes them. And sometimes these are well-known preachers. These are well-known people. we got people today that they'd go listen. They'd drive 500 miles to listen to one of these right here. And wouldn't walk 10 feet to hear somebody that's real and genuine. And they'll put us in a different crowd. But verse 17 said, these are wells without water. In other words, when you uh, draw water out of it and expect good, cool, that, nothing like a good well, are they? Draw good water out of a well. But uh, you draw it, there's nothing in it. Uh, a, a dry well can't help you. Amen. Uh, Means sometimes our preachers are twice dead and plucked up by the roots. And if we're dead, we're not going to help you. Amen. Sometimes uh, the preacher don't feel all that good and health-wise, but it takes the Spirit of God to change that, and I appreciate what God can do. And the preacher can't help you. I don't know who can help you. Amen. You can write the president if you can get in there. You can write the governor if you can get in there. And you can write the psychologist and all them, and they're not going to help you like the preacher is going to help you. If he's a real man of God, that is. But the Bible said these are wells without water. Dry wells. They go down deep and come up what? Dry. Amen. I mean, it's one good thing about it. It, it, uh, you know, when you got a full bucket, you can tell that when you draw it back up. 
when you start, I remember as a boy, I used to love that. I see my grandma and grandpa and mom and daddy, and they'd take that and they'd put that bucket up and turn it loose and then and you hear it splash, hit the water. And they'd jerk it a little bit, and next thing you know, they'd wind it up. And I was a little old feller, and I I wanted to wind that thing. But before I got it to the top, I didn't want to do it anymore. That was little for me. I mean, it was heavy. And uh, it was just a little bucket, but hey, I didn't have the strength. And uh, so you don't get, you, you draw up an empty bucket pretty good. Ain't nothing to it. You ever heard sermons didn't get much out of it? I've heard some that blistered my hide from the first time it started to quit. Had some I picked up information just about every sentence. I'm sitting there like a, a hungry dog after a ham bone boy trying to get it all I could get. And then they, some of them I look at and I think, well, what did they say? You just keep hoping to fix it. I'm going to say something after a while. And sometimes I get tired and cut them off. But I'm telling you, uh, they're emptied wells, dry wells. Then the Bible says in verse 17, not only are they wells without water, but they're clouds that are carried with a tempest. You ever seen clouds in the summertime? You think it's going to get real cloudy? Oh, it does get real cloudy. You think you're going to get a shower? Sometimes it just pass right over nothing, not a drop of water fall out of them. It's just some clouds just blow. There's some out there now. You go out uh, look at them. I'm sure the sun was coming up a little bit there and then go back out. Some of those clouds don't have nothing in it. At least there's nothing falling out of them. Some of them clouds that come through yesterday had a little snow in them. So they had something in them, didn't they? Amen. So these are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest. In other words, they're just carried. The thing about those clouds is everybody and his brother can see them. They're in the limelight. I mean, you just, I can stand right here and see the same clouds you can see in Cornelia. You're on the other side of it, maybe. But you can see it. And they're in the limelight. You can see it. And uh, they're out there, and they're they're prominent. Uh, men, great men, uh, by, the, by the world standard, but never tell you anything. And uh, God said that's what these are going to be. Through Peter, he, he describes them. We're living in that time. But many of them say a whole lot of things, but never say anything. And uh, they have, and you you just have to dissect what they're doing and accept that. But I'll tell you, or refuse what they got to say one, all right? It said, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. In other words, they're not real. And God's going to judge them. And I believe there's a lot of preachers across our land, so-called preachers that are sending people to hell. I believe, I believe what they're doing is leading them on the wrong road, teaching them the wrong things, and don't tell them the truth. And they're deceptionists. They deceive and being deceived. And our country's filled with them. People all across the country and around the world are filled with this kind. They're recognized. They're identified. And whatever they say, they'll take it for and swallow it. Hook, line, and sinker. And sometimes they'll say it wrong. You uh, bring it to them and they'll deny it. But I'll tell you what. We need to look at this and pay it. You don't listen to every preacher ever uh, so-called man of the cloth. Amen. Now, verse eight, 18 said, For when they speak great swelling words of vanity. Amen. You ever hear these preachers preach? I listen to them and I say, Where'd they get that word? Where'd they get that word? Where'd they get that word? And sometimes you best about have to have a dictionary instead of a Bible to figure out what they're saying. Yeah. 
Amen. They make the Word of God so... Uh, uh, and I, I, I like them big words. I mean, I like them. Sometimes my wife used to say to me, said, where'd you get that fancy word? And I said, what word? She said, and I said, oh, I don't know. I guess I read it so much. After a while, you read those things and, and you know what they mean and you pay no attention to it. If you're not careful, you'll use them too. And somebody else don't know what they are either. But uh, I try to keep everything simple. Simple. I'm a simple feller. Amen. I'm a simple-minded man. And try to be practical with it. And of course, you listen to me preach long, you know I'm simple. Amen. But don't make no difference. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity. What's vanity? No use. Nothing real to it. I mean, it's not. Vanity means it's vain. And uh, it's full of, of, you know, just filler. I could preach a sermon, in, I believe, and, and, and I know something. I read all about this stuff all the time, see it. And uh, I was reading one day, and this Presbyterian preacher, he uh, wrote his messages out, and then he practiced them about four or five times, standing in front of the mirror. He figured out how he was going to hold his head and move his body. And he had read his message off. And then when he went to the pulpit, he, he, was, he was right on it. He had it right. And then, have you ever heard some of these preachers that uh, you go in a revival? Revival is one of those things that this happens. Take an evangelist, for instance. Uh, evangelist is a lot different than a pastor. You know the difference between evangelist and a pastor. Evangelist goes all over the country preaching all the time. He's around the crowds all the time. Well, evangelists can take several little old messages. He don't have to have many. I mean, he got a handful of sermons. He can preach that sermon, and it sounds so good. And he'll go back to another place and he'll preach it again at another, you know, across the country somewhere. And he get after a while, you practice it enough, you can get it pretty good. But a pastor can't do that. What if I preach the same message every Sunday? I get accused of that sometimes. But you ought to try my, you ought to try my position it's hard to amen sometimes you don't hear it the first time you have to tell it the second time and the third time and the fourth time and the fifth time and some of them i'm still telling and they don't grab it amen i've i've even found that out to be true right here in this church i preached something and and uh and i know some of them were there and they asked me later and they'll say well what do you think about this and i thought i just preached that two weeks ago Sometimes I've even left the service and somebody's asked me a question. I thought, I answered that a while ago, I thought. They didn't get it. You know, I guess she was probably uh, petting the cat or something while I was preaching. I don't know, something. You know yourself, you're sitting there this morning. Some of you don't let some of this go over. Because this is human flesh. The devil don't want you to listen to everything in the Word of God. He'll... Put things in your mind, bring things up. I've done that set in churches and miss them. Matter of fact, I've heard preachers preach, and I hear a lot of preachers preach. I listen to it all the time. But listen, sometimes I listen to them two times, and sometimes I listen to them three times, and the third time I say, How come I missed that the first time and the second time? I just hear that the first time and the second time. You ever been there? Oh, yeah. I don't know where I was. But uh, anyhow. He said here, for when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh. In other words, a great speaker can draw a crowd. 
Oh, he's got that pizzazz. It's just some preachers you like to hear, and it don't matter whether they say anything or not. You just like the way they talk. Amen. Sometimes they just, they, I say, ooh, they sound good. I like to, they just got it going. They ain't breaking the English like I do, and they, you know, not hum-hawing around it, trying to tell the truth. They're telling the, uh, what this, and I listen, I said, boy, they got a good delivery. You ever heard people say, you got a good delivery? Amen. I think all God's men have good deliveries. People just don't want like, don't like the, the message. They don't like the package that God sent him. <laughs> but it said, for when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure. Allure means to draw, to captivate their thinking. And have you ever heard preachers that just captivated you by what they said? And you really weren't paying no attention to what they You just like their their delivery. I've been there. I know what it is. It's just some preachers. Uh, I don't like to hear one with broken English. Don't I? Now, if you don't know what he's talking about, I don't want to hear him. Broken language or no broken language. But uh, sometimes I say, got good delivery. I like to hear. There are preachers that's got good delivery, and they, they make you want to listen. They allure through their through the lust of the flesh. Through the lust of the flesh. Now, you know you see this today. And I like to study by punctuation in my Bible. You know how I, I don't mention that all the time, but that's how I actually study. I break every, when I'm by myself studying, I always study every verse by the statements, what I call statements in a verse. Like it says in verse 18, for when they speak great swelling words of vanity, there's a comma. That's, I want to deal with that subject. That makes me want to study on that. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, I go back and look, who's they? It's these false prophets. Uh, great swelling words. I might want to think about great swelling words and start studying that. And see if I can find other references to it. Then the next thing is they allure through the lust of the flesh. That's statement number two. They allure... Through the lust of the flesh. Now there's three avenues of temptation. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And so you can start and you can look at that. But these folks, with their great swelling words, they lure through the lust of the flesh. Now you've got to figure out what the lust of the flesh is. You've got to figure out what the lust of the eyes are. You've got to figure out what the lust, I mean, for the pride of life is. Eve was tempted in all three of these places and points. She's when she saw, lest the eyes, she saw the tree was good, and you know for for food, and she desired, and it was desired to make one. She began to, she had to lust the flesh, lust the eyes, and the pride of life, and through all that, the devil will use the world, the flesh, and himself, the devil, to bring you to the knowledge. Uh, he wants you to get in. So when he told Eve, he said, "You." Uh, you, uh, you know, he said, you're not going to surely die. And God knows that when you eat this fruit, your eyes are going to be open. You're going to be like gods. Not, not like God, like the gods. And so that sounded good. That's great swelling words, was it not? He allured her. He deceived her. She ate the fruit, gave it to Adam. And Adam willingly ate it. Uh, he, he was, you know, he he well, he wasn't deceived, according to the word of God. He wasn't deceived at all. But then it went on to say the third statement says, through much wantonness. 
So you study on wantonness. And then those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. So there's four statements in that verse. And I break it down. And you can stay. The only thing is it, it makes you bogged down in a verse. But when you get through with it, you're going to know what that verse is talking about. You go comparing Scripture with Scripture and uh, going to looking at all of it and try to look up those words. What does it mean uh, through much wantonness? What's that word wantonness? Look it up. A lot of times you read words, you don't even pay no attention to what they are. You just take for granted. Sometimes you know what they mean. Sometimes you have an idea what they mean. But sometimes when you look them up, you find out they don't mean exactly what you thought they meant. So you do all that. I'm just giving you, I'm not trying to give you a Bible study or, a, or how to help you to study the Scriptures, but I'm just trying to show you that's what these folks do. They lure and bring people away. They're like dry wells, like cloudless, I mean waterless clouds. They're just in the limelight. And when they speak, they lure uh, with, you know, the lust, the flesh, and they're always bringing it to you. It's always bringing. You see, when the Lord speaks, what does He do? He don't lure you. Flesh. He gets the Spirit. He draws the Spirit. And it gives you that blessed hope in there. All right. Let's go on down because I, I, I ain't going to have time to finish and go where I wanted to go. Bible said in verse 19, while they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome of the same is he brought in bondage. He's talking about these false prophets, these false teachers. And this is what they do. Uh, they promise you liberty, but they're not after giving you liberty. They're after trying to get you to fall and uh, fall into corruption. And uh, be overcome and bring you to bondage. That's what the devil's got in everything he does. Tries to bring us under bondage. We're set free by the grace of God. But the devil is always constantly trying to bind us. I'm glad, thank God, I'm not uh, under the bondage of, of Satan this morning. But the devil tries to bind my spirit. In other means, I'm glad that I don't belong to the devil. I'm glad I've been set free by the grace of God through the shed blood of Christ. And I'm glad I've got liberty, not bondage. But the devil tries to keep me from having that victory. And he will bind my spirits to a certain extent. Now the Bible said, verse 20, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. What I mean, looking at this, I believe today is you'll pay the price if you walked away from God. This is a verse that I've used and people don't like what I've said. But I've said that verse 20, and I used to preach this 30 years ago, 40 years ago, preached it for many years now. That verse number 20 of Second Peter chapter 2 tells us that the United States of America uh, is worse than an infidel nation. Because God said, if you've ever known the truth and turned from that, for that truth and then been entangled with that, uh, that again, with the world and so forth, your latter end is worse uh, with them than the beginning. In other words, it's better never to know the truth than it is to know the truth and walk away from it. Amen. Amen. And I, 
I preached that for years and years, still preach it, believe it today, just as strong as ever did. And brother, we watched America go in the wrong direction. Started off right, got corrupt. It's in bad shape today. You said, won't you get out of it? Well, amen. I, I'm will. One of these days, I'm waiting on the shout, the voice of the archangel. Amen. Uh, I have even thought about moving out of it, but I don't think I could find nowhere else better. And not saying that America's all right. You know yourself, it's not. It's a wicked land. And uh, they've turned the Word of God away. They've turned it to the back, the side. They threw it here and there. And uh, we're not taught on the principles of the Word of God. Our, our children are not unless we teach them. But the public school system don't do it. They teach it to a certain degree, but that's it. The Bible's not the textbook anymore. And we know we've got away from all that. I remember when I went to school, they'd read the book of Psalms. That's basically what we read most of the time. But we'd read, we'd read a chapter in the Word of God or a portion of that Word. And the principal would pray or we'd pray or the teacher would pray or something. And that was the same, that's a thing you had every day. But that's gone now. And, uh, and you raise better kids doing that. And you teach them God, but now you're teaching them the man didn't come from God. He's a, come from a monkey and evolution and all kinds of different theories and ideas. And, and these people, these kids don't even know any of that, what the Bible says. And they don't care what the Bible and teachers. Are, uh, we still got some good teachers in places, but we got some wicked teachers too that are going way, way away from the Word of God. So we find these, these, and I say, if you've known the truth and turned from it, you're worse than you were in the beginning. And I believe God will hold them accountable. And I believe that's what's happened to America. I believe God will judge this country. I believe that with all my heart. And the only thing I believe is holding this thing together already is the little remnant of God's people that love God. Amen. I believe in a lot of people praying for this nation. Maybe they might not know what they're praying for, but they are a lot of people praying. That's what I've been putting my hope and trust, that they're praying for the truth. And, and, and I'm not looking for a leader of the land to direct us. I'm looking for God in heaven to intervene and, and touch in, in what we do. And we're going to see some days ahead. It's not going to be good. We've seen some days behind that hadn't been too good. Amen. Verse 21. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. That's what I said a while ago. Better never to know God than it is to know God and forget God. Now, Israel's proved that to us. Uh, Israel backed off from God, dishonored God, forgot God. And forsook God. Matter of fact, uh, two things are you can forsake Him and then forget Him. And if you ever forsake Him, and it won't be long till you'll forget Him. And there's two things there. So they forgot God, or they forsook God. They walked away. We don't want the Word of God to control us. We don't want God's benefit on our lives. We don't want nothing He's got to say. We're going to live our own life. That's what Israel did. Now at the end, what's happened? God cut them off, and they forgot Him, and now God's put them on the sideline. He will deal with them again. He's not forgotten them, 
They forgot him, but he hadn't forgotten them. And he'll deal with them. We have a whole book of Revelation tell us that. Now, said in verse number 22, but it is happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog has turned his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed in her wallowing in the mire. Them don't sound too, too pleasing, but it's exactly right. Amen. You know what the reason is? You know why a dog does that? Why he turns his own vomit again? He's a dog. That's his nature. Amen. Now, when a, if God's people do that, amen, you gotta watch, gotta watch it a little further. Now, you gotta look at this. It said the sow, you can put a bow on her, splinker with, uh, I don't know, kind of, some kind of perfume, whitewasher, clean her up. I mean, Put your arm around her neck and she don't smell like a pig. Smell like uh, Avon or something. But you turn that little sow loose and guess what she'll do? Run back to the first mud hole she can find and water in it. And you know why she does that? Because clean her up on the outside will not clean the inside up. She's still a sow. And you know why Christian people are so called? I say so called now. People who's in the church turn back to what they used to be. They never did get washed. They got whitewashed. The outside got cleaned up, but the inside wasn't touched. It's God that does the cleansing. Amen? It's God that does that. So we've got to remember that. You can look at this and look at this and look at this. And he's talking about these false prophets. That's what they are. So these fellas that's in the limelight telling you all this stuff, don't pay much attention to them. Don't pay any attention to them, by the way. They're just telling you words to fill their pockets. We could talk about these preachers are making all this money and flying these big airplanes and got all these bank accounts. People run after them. Seem like when you climb up in the world, that's the ones that's the most blessed and a little old preacher sitting on the side of our starving death. Now, I'm not trying to get somebody to put money in my pocket. I, I've had a good week eating. I've got everything I need. I'm not trying to muster up anything. I'm just trying to tell you today, don't listen to this crowd that's running up and down the country. That's trying to get your money. They'll always say, uh, put this in, give that, send this. And uh, I don't like that. Amen. If God puts you in something, He's going to take care of you. I've preached that for 50 years. And you say, what's happening if God don't supply then I quit, and I find out what's happened. I've watched God do that for me down through the years. I've never, I've had needs. I didn't think God was going to come through, but right on time, He surprised me and showed up. And I ain't complaining. Heads bowed. Father, thank you this morning for the privilege of prayer, being able to call on you. I pray God you'd use the rest of the service today for your glory. May your name be honored and glorified. Forgive us of our sins and our shortcomings. Touch everything we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.